Hello everyone and welcome back to the 343 Football Podcast. It's your host Jaffa and I'm delighted to be once again joined by the usual three. We need no introduction but I'm going to do it anyway for the sake of structure. We've got Ali, we've got Daud and we've got Kodama. How's everyone doing lads? Alright. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, it was a pretty interesting weekend of football action. Uh, I do want to dive straight into the um, Manchester United against Liverpool uh, what do we call it? Is it the Northwest Derby? So, sometimes Sky Sports brand it as Red Monday or Red Sunday or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> That's Sky Sports. Yeah. It's a nil-nil derby. Sky Sports always so it, it seems like a common theme in recent years with this match, doesn't it? It's always hyped up because, of course, everyone knows about the rivalry. It doesn't need much uh, context from us. But it seems like that match is always it's, it's letting us down, isn't it? Nil-nil each time. No. Um, Liverpool won last season 2-0. Salah scored a winner, so I wouldn't really want to say that. <laughs> a lot of draws, basically, though. I mean... What can you? You don't really expect that from two teams that were going into it, uh, you know, challenging for that top spot. Yeah, I mean, at this stage in the season, I think that's what made this one a bit more interesting. New isn't it? Like in recent years with Man United's uh, struggles, it's it's not really been there's not really been much on the line with this game as apart from pride and, and you know the rivalry and bragging rights for the fans. But this one had implications for the title, and it seems to me that um, I'm not I'm not really any closer to knowing if either of these two sides are capable of winning the league. So I, I do like to. Um, always get the fan perspective, so I'll come to Ali and Dowd on this one, since you guys support the teams involved. Um, I'll come to you first, Ali. What was your thoughts on the game? And um, just kind of in mind, do you think that, does the game show that Liverpool are still sort of, not necessarily favourites for the title, because you've got Man City to consider as well, but between Liverpool and Man United, do you think Liverpool are the stronger team and have the stronger shout for the title? Yeah, for sure. Um, It clearly showed in this game, if you actually look at the statistics and how dominant Liverpool were, what they didn't have was a killer instinct to get a goal and that's been Liverpool last three, four fixtures, getting draws, even struggling against Aston Villa in the FA Cup when they, Villa played out with the kids. Um, it was attack versus defence and that's all it was. Liverpool not getting a killer instinct to finish the game off. My night had a few chances on the counter. Bruno got frustrated. There's nothing really else to say on this red Sunday, I guess it was. Or Red Monday, I don't know, man. Uh, how Sky Sports want to push out the uh, fans. So, yeah. Well, uh, well I'll, I'll definitely come to Dowd in a bit, but I just wanted to ask you more about Liverpool. What what do you think of the struggles for the, the goal scoring at the moment? I mean, you know, Salah and uh, Mane are, are pretty much world-class forwards. Uh, Firmino, is, I feel like he's always teetering on the edge. Is he world-class or is he just like a really good striker? But all three of them at the moment don't seem to be delivering. They've become complacent. That's what it is. If you, if you look at front three... They've became more more relaxed. Who's going to challenge for the spots? Shakiri played in the game, but he didn't play as a front three. He played as a midfielder. And Origi's not going to get there. And Jota's injured. So there, there's no one challenging them. When Jota was actually playing, there was there was goals coming in. Firmino's position was getting threatened. So obviously we don't have that now because of our injuries. But what can you do? Um, you've got to work with what you've got. Firmino's in bad form. He has been playing as good as he, good as he should, but, you know, it's football at the end of the day these things happen. Do you think there's um, an element of a lack of chance creation or is it purely on the forwards at the moment? Or is there also like the service isn't being provided as, as usual? No, um, I'd say the service has been provided. It's just Killingston. If you go and look at the statistics, Liverpool had 17 shots on, on goal. Yeah, three on target, a couple of hit the post. Firmino... 
had a horrendous game, missed quite a few opportunities. I don't think it's that, I just don't think they had the right football boots on, I guess. I don't know what you can say about it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, do you think that Firmino may need replacing in the short term? Do you think like maybe his days of being the main starting striker are coming to an end? Um, I wouldn't just say it's that. Maybe he's, other teams have found out how Liverpool play with a front three. Um, if Firmino has motivated as he used to be, that's that's another question. Plus, if we try and get rid of Firmino, who's actually going to buy him? You know, um, what system would he play in? You know, he's fitting perfectly in his club system, but which other football club would actually want to be it off Firmino? I can see him. I can see him having his suitors. To be honest, let's say if um, Haaland uh, leaves Dortmund for another club, I can see Dortmund being interested in Firmino as a replacement. Yeah, but Haaland and Firmino are two different oh, massively so, yeah. attackers. So, so configure you know, your system around the signing that you make. You can, but well, will he go Dortmund? I, I don't know. You know, um, if Firmino was going to go from Liverpool to somewhere else, you'd want to see him go to maybe Atletico Madrid, um, Real Madrid, or maybe Bayern Munich if if he was at the right, what's the right term, like at the right level. Yeah, I mean, as I see, and um, I feel like, you know, for this match, David, I'll come to you now. So, you know, your team's doing better than expected this season, although it's kind of ironic to say that considering how much money they spend, you probably think that they should be expecting to be challenging. Um, what's your overall thoughts on the season so far, and particularly based on that match against Liverpool? Um, has that given you more hope that Man United can actually win the title, or are you just kind of happy to be challenging and not really expecting much, uh, you know, in regards to the title? So, so first of all, I'd like to say the Northwest Derby, or... The James Milner derby because the only thing more boring than James Milner was this game, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> obviously Jurgen Klopp doesn't know anything. He's a whiny little bee. Um, and nobody cares about him. All right. Uh, this game, Liverpool was shit. We came. Wow, to, shots fired. We came, here. we came to the Anfield. Uh, came to Anfield, and there was uh, rumours of the. Um, the uh, what you call it the fans coming outside and singing uh, i didn't see anybody the only person i saw singing was trying to uh, Klopp trying to sing his players into trying to get an attack going uh it was uh it was man united actually playing to the t what uh Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wanted is an actual um actually going on the counter yes Liverpool were dominating, but what do you expect? We're going to Anfield, the fortress that is called Anfield for the last 10 years. And yet we came there. We had the most solid chances than Liverpool did. So, what did, what's Mate, the takeaway from here? What's the takeaway from here? What's the takeaway from here? Look, nobody look, man, cares about Liverpool. Same as Newcastle, just shut up, <laughs> put that down, you filthy animal. Look, keep your gob shut. Right, you know nothing. Manchester United are complete wank and Liverpool are the best. Right, Liverpool are going through some bad form right now. Right, what, what about Manchester United since, since what you call it, Ferguson went? What, what happened to Manchester United, man? So, man, you can't even so, resurrect bloody Matt Busby so, to get Manchester United back to where they so were. Jeff, so keep your gob shut. So, Jeff, <laughs> you, so Jeff you, were, you were saying, um, what do you think our title prospects are from this? Uh, you were seeing how much from, of an idiot down is, yeah? I'll tell you one thing. Uh, we'll still be uh, in the excuse that Klopp goes to when he loses his match or draws them. Yet because he can't get his top three, the, the you know the Liverpool three to try and score. Dude, you stuttering, man! Stop stuttering! Come on, <laughs> you know you you try and get your words together. Can you even put a sentence together? Look, jeez, 
you know, hey, Klopp, Klopp this, Klopp that. Look, yeah, Klopp makes excuses. Boohoo. You know, he's a coach which does. He doesn't like losing or drawing. I, I feel you like know, we which, came out. Which coach does we like drawing or losing? Uh, Are you going to solve We came out more on top. You know what I mean? We you came tell more me. out on top um, in this match that what? Liverpool came. On top and of what? We're, we're on top of the Premier League, mate. On top um, of what? So, the thing is, I'm very, very worried <laughs> about... On top of the Premier League. I'm very worried Mate, about Man City Manchester City. Games because Manchester City like, won 4-0 against Crystal Palace, a team that Roy Hodgson, since obviously, Jeff, you, a you team mentioned... A team Liverpool 7-0, by the way, just to let you know. Since you mentioned, obviously, in a horrible ro- uh, uh, of form. Um, but Roy Hodgson, uh, the so-called big team killer from time to time, uh, couldn't even... Uh, you know, uh, it was just beautiful football. It was Man City, what you you would synonymise with them uh, two years ago. Uh, and I'm a bit worried about... Are you a Man go- City fan or something? Are you, like, sucking them off? What's I, going on I, here? I would be a bit worried about... This is Manchester United. Uh, that was a bit of a, a strange transition, talking from your team to Man City. Is there something you want to tell us? Yeah, <laughs> Because they only need... They only, <laughs> is this an undercover Man City job? They here? only need to win... Are you getting paid by the they, Arabs? They, they need to win two more matches, which most likely they will, and they'll be top of the league. It's, it's a close I mean, yeah, one. It's, it's too it's, close to call. It's interesting that you brought up Man City because I feel like out of that nil-nil draw, Man City were the true winners, weren't they? Because they they actually had a really shaky start to the season. It looks like they were going to um, not even be in the title picture. But in recent weeks, they've solidified their defense. They're they're not still they're still not scoring at a scary rate in the way they were when um you know when they had Sane and Aguero in full flight a couple of years back. But um I think would everyone agree at the moment that they seem to be the title favorites, even though they're not top of the league at the moment. I agree. I, agree. No, I disagree. I still think it's 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 Liverpool for me still. Really? Um, yeah. Damn. Despite the injuries and despite um, their front three misfiring at the minute, I think from recent seasons, I actually rate Klopp a bit higher than than Guardiola these days, and I think he's he's got what it takes to get them um, you know singing again. So I actually don't think it'll take too long for the front three to start scoring again. Because when you look at the games, it's like it's like Ali said that it's not a, it's not an issue of um, of not creating chances. chances. They're just yeah. not finishing. You know, Salah especially. Whenever you watch, whenever I watch a Liverpool game, he misses about three or four good chances uh, each time. So, I mean, once you know things start to get a bit more routine and the fixture congestion dies down a bit, if it does, I think with a bit more rest and a bit more training. Klopp will probably sort the issues out, and it'll be it'll, Man City will be up there, but it'll be Liverpool and Man City at the end of the uh, come May. It'll be them two, and United will probably st- probably stay around the top four, but I don't see them sticking at the top too long. I don't, I don't think Man United have a chance at all. Uh, the reason why I say that is because they'll be going to that Europa League um, fixtures when they go Thursday or Sunday. Are they going to compete with the elite? In the Premier League, heck no. Yeah, I, I think Still it's more than that. Still see Klopp think, giving, yeah, giving excuses that punching above be their weight a the reason why that they're losing. What are you on so, about? So, like, I take on board both of your points, Kodama and Ali, but I think one thing with Liverpool is the, the, their squad is decimated by injuries, especially the defenders. I mean, I think if they had Joe Gomez, uh, Matip and Van Dijk available all the time, I don't even think there'll be a title discussion. I think they'll be running away with it as usual. But having to drop Henderson and Fabinho at centre-back, it's going to hurt you, like... It's it's they're they're actually capable defenders. It's not like Liverpool look like a shambles at the back, but you're taking away a lot from the team with what they could bring into the midfield. And uh, obviously, there's no need for me to defend Van Dijk's abilities. Everyone knows, so um, th- that's the reason I kind of pip Man City. Not I actually agree. I think Klopp has shown a little bit more about him than than uh, Pep in recent seasons. I just think that Pep is is working with better conditions at the moment to to win the title. I mean, you say that, but at the same time, you know, Man City have had injuries of their own. 
Um, they've luckily had Stones come back into, uh, you know, into form, but before that they were struggling defensively themselves. Aguero still out, you know, comes in one week out for three. So I just think when it comes to the end of the season, it'll be very close. But because of the person in the dugout, yeah, I back Liverpool to to nip them to the title again. Yeah, I mean, we hadn't really, but it'll be definitely uh, close. We hadn't really planned for this segment, but I just want to get your takes on Aguero very quickly, lads. Do you guys think that he's he's sort of almost done at the top level? He just does he, like he hasn't scored a Premier League goal in over a calendar year, hasn't he? Injuries, man. What can what can you say? The guy just he always struggles yeah. with injuries, and now that he's getting older, he's struggling even more. And it's a shame because he's been one of the you know most exciting players to watch in the Premier League of the last is it ten years? He's been at City almost. Yeah. It's just I guess it's coming to uh, to a point where he just can't keep up with his fitness. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's done at the top. I just think his time at Man City's come to an end. Like Yaya Toure, company. You know, uh, Joe Hart, another player, like his time's just going to come. It's like that so-called circle life in the Lion King. You know, Aguero's time's coming up. You know, Mufasa, Mufasa has to move on. You know, obviously he passed away. I know your analogy, but you lost he, control of it a little bit there. <laughs> no, I, I, I was thinking about it. I was, think, I was also thinking about where can Aguero go from there on? Can he go back to Argentina and be a hero? Well, or can he go back to Spain or to Italy or what? That's what yeah. I was thinking. I was thinking, what team? I can't see he, him leaving. Would he be able to? I succeed? can't see him leaving at all, so long as the prospect of Messi joining Manchester City is still on the table or still on the cards. If it's, I can see Messi going somewhere else. Though. I can't see him going Man City. Yeah, I, I think he'll wait to see because they're really close friends. It'd be interesting. Imagine having Aguero and Man City in the same uh, Aguero, Man City, Aguero and Messi in the same club. Um, I mean, the belly form for Argentina together, to be fair, so it might not be that scary. So. <laughs> the downfall I'll have to wait and see. Messi joining them just because of lack of uh, success. But, uh, yeah, yeah I mean, that, that concludes the discussion on the uh, Northwest derby there, the Manchester United and Liverpool match. So, we'll, you know, the derby theme was definitely prevalent throughout Europe, and it always seems to be. They bring the fixtures around Europe. Uh, there's loads of derbies on at the same time. Um, in Serie A, you had uh, Roma-Lazio, and you also had uh, Juventus against Inter Milan. And I do want to just talk about a little bit about the... Um, this area title race and the way it's shaping up at the moment. You know, we're coming to the midway point in the season. In recent years, it's always been Juventus at the top, or if, if they're being challenged, they would come out on top. However, this year, they're actually nowhere near the top, really, when you look at it. And for once, the two Milan teams who have been disgraced in, in recent seasons are actually the, the leading two. Um, so I just want to get your takes on this one, lads. Um, you can, you know, go through a couple of the derby matches, because I know that we watched um, the Rome derby and the derby d'Italia in particular. Um, so, uh, Ali, what, what was your thoughts on the Rome derby? Because I know that you, you had a keen interest on that one. Well, it was attack versus defence. It was Roma played some nice attacking football. It reminded me of what Arsenal are doing under Wenger, obviously at the tail end of his tenure. And Lazio was just clinical. That's what it was. Obviously, it was a controversial goal and a second goal. They still stood. Lazio were just... There were arrows going down and they just kept on attacking Roma and... Last couple of seasons, Lazio's been getting a better of Roma, and it looks like Rome's blue. <laughs> I mean, it's it's. I feel like them two teams, Lazio and Roma, they never seem to have a, like for example, Arsenal have been more dominant than Tottenham for years and years and years until recently. But it sort of feels like Lazio and Roma take turns, don't they? There's never really one that's superior to the other. Mm, yeah, you're right there. Um, what I was thinking about is the derby itself and the fans. You know what it means to the city, like. If you tell a Roma fan or Lazio fan, what would you prefer, winning Serie A or beating your arch rivals? They'll because there's a political side to it. They'll say I want to beat my arch rivals. 
that, that's for Roma, Roma or Lazio. That's how it is. Unlike, obviously, the Inter Milan and Juventus fixture, this gets heated very quickly in the short in the fixture itself. Well, you say you say that. Um, I watched the first half and doesn't sound like it didn't sound like the players got the memo because I thought Roma were very very poor in the first half. Um, you know the mistake that led to the first goal defensively they were all over the shop and you know you said they played some nice attacking football but I didn't really see see them uh, do much to be honest. I think Lazio controlled the game start to finish. It was a mature performance. Immobile showing again why he's one of the deadliest strikers in Europe and I guess. It was just, like you say, attack versus defence, but it was men versus boys, I thought. I was quite surprised because Roma are still higher than Lazio on the table and they're doing, they're doing better, in the, um, you know, slightly. But it was quite, I was quite surprised by how poor they turned, turned out on the night. See, what I mean is nice football is what Wenger did with Arsenal. I wouldn't say, like, the finishing touch wasn't there. You know, there are opportunities. Lazio were just deadly. You know, there were arrows going down, hitting on the counter all the time. That's, that's Lazio have got a, a very vibrant set of attacking players, though, haven't they? Obviously, Immobile, uh, Milinkovic, Savic, uh, Luis Alberto, and Correa as well. So they, it doesn't surprise me that they play football that nicely. They've really built together a, a quite a decent squad. Um, you know, just moving on to the uh, the Inter Milan match with with Juventus, the Derby d'Italia. Uh, I watched that game in full, and I think. Everyone knows that uh, Juventus' standards are slipping a little bit and hiring Perlo um, was a risky move. So Perlo against an experienced manager like Conte, I think it kind of the tactical side of it went the way we would ever expect. Inter Milan dominated the game. Barella had an absolute blinder. And uh, I'm going to claim now that... Uh, well, I don't really know if it's a bold claim. But I don't think Juventus are going to win the league this year. That, that's for sure. The trophy's going back to Milan. But which one? <laughs> Even the Red Ronaldo and the team for Juventus. Yeah, I just think Ronaldo's obviously still crazy influential, still getting all the goals, still contributing massively to the play. But I think as a tactical side, Juventus are lacking so much at the moment. Like, whenever you watch a match and whenever you see that one team's midfield looks completely invisible, that's when you know the warning signs are there. I didn't see Rabiot do anything. I didn't see Ramsey do anything. All I saw was uh, Barella controlling the game. Uh, You know, the wide players from Inter Milan were playing some beautiful passes, bypassing them and... um, yeah, so I, I don't think the Ronaldo factor is enough on its own for Juventus to uh, claim Serie A this year. But you, have to, you have to also look back at the previous couple of seasons. Like since since they've brought in Ronaldo, he hasn't given them much in terms of uh, elevating the club's profile on the pitch. In terms of playing better, controlling games. If you listen and ask most Serie A people who uh, have followed who follow Serie A primarily. Juventus were sort of fortunate to win the last two Scudettos. What's happened this season now is that the other clubs around them have elevated their level and it's starting to show just how much Juventus has fallen off. And yeah, they've got Ronaldo on the pitch, but they had him when they won and they weren't looking that dominant either. Yeah, I mean... And he's getting older. Is Ronaldo a flop then at Juventus? No, of course not. That's a silly. <laughs> I would say yes. I would say yes. I knew you'd say that. I I don't. Okay, first of all, I want to preface this by saying I absolutely love Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Like, one of my favourite players ever. Like, I love watching him. I love what he's done. His, you know, longevity, his determination to win, everything, athleticism, and just, you know, overall ability. But they brought him in to win the Champions League. And they look further away from the Champions League now than when they did when they actually signed him. So, in terms of, like, you know, economical flop, no, because obviously they've recouped all of that in. And shirt sales and you know marketing deals, yeah, okay, they haven't lost money on him, but has he achieved what they brought him in to do? I would, they haven't, and it doesn't look like they will. So, yeah, for me, he's not the biggest flop in history, but it definitely hasn't worked out the way they intended to, and 
Like, I don't know if anybody can really argue with that. No, no, I can't argue with that, to be honest. It's, uh, you know, and the fact that, uh, to be honest, what you said about the last two Scudettos that they've won and people aren't convinced, well, they've changed the manager twice, haven't they? It went from Allegri to Sarri and then, yeah, so a stable team who's winning and very content with what they're doing wouldn't be changing the managers like that. Um, what about the two Milans then? So finally, they look like the top dogs. It's a temporary situation, but um, are, are we claiming that one of them will be the league winner at the end? What, and uh, do Napoli stand the chance at all? We haven't talked about Napoli yet. Yeah, I think they'll probably end up in the red half of Milan. Um, I've watched a bit of Serie A this season, and Inter Milan do have weeks where they just kind of fall apart, and Conte's system, his rigidity and stubbornness, ends up failing them sometimes. Whereas Milan, uh, AC Milan, seem a bit more cohesive as a team the chemistry the gel they've gelled together a lot better i think and they've got zlatan ibrahimovic and you all know how important mentality is when you're trying to grind out results and when you're winning those games that you haven't played well in so and they've also just brought in mandzukic as of today yeah adding and, more experience and into they're the looking side. at tamori as well i think on a, on a loan is that correct I'm not sure if that... I've heard that rumour, but I don't know if it's... broke through. I read it actually before we started recording. The, I think it was Fabrizio Romano, the, the guy who always says, here we go, with his transfer informations. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he gave it the here we go, and I think, yeah, tomorrow to, to Isamalan looks like a go. Damn, that sounds like... That, that's going to be a class transfer. I yeah, think. I mean, I, I think he'll suit the league, definitely. I won't spend too long on them, but I just want to mention Napoli very quickly. I watched their game against Fiorentina. Um, you know, when you think about Fiorentina versus Napoli, you'd probably think it would be a close contest, but... Fiorentina this year are lagging to uh, you know towards the relegation spots. They're on 18 points uh, and sitting in 14th. And Napoli absolutely blitzed them 6-0. There was some absolutely beautiful goals in that game. I would recommend anyone listening to this to pull up the highlights on YouTube. Uh, I think in particular it was either the fourth or the fifth goal that included building up from the back, one touch, two touch in midfield, and some really beautiful close control by Politano, or shall I call him Napoliatano, who's called <laughs> very apt name for the player at the club. And... Yeah, I think Napoli with Gattuso, I, to be honest with you guys, I, I love Gattuso. He's, he's one of those players that you, you just have to root for. Absolute bulldog mentality. Was very iconic in the Italian 2006 World Cup. And so I would love for him to get some, uh, you know, achieve some success. If he wins the league, that would be brilliant. Even though maybe, you know, a bridge too far for him. Would you guys say, do you think Napoli have, have what it takes? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, an, it's, it's, you know, with the whole pandemic, the unpredictability of football has been amplified ten, tenfold. There's still quite a uh, large amount of points behind the top two. But AC Milan, Inter Milan, you look at those two teams and they're not sure winners. They could fall off. And if Napoli managed to capitalise and get a good run of form going, it could go down to the wire again with not even just the you know the Milan clubs. And Lazio are literally in seventh. And they're 12 points behind, but 12 points over the rest of the season. Talk about nearly 20 games left. Yeah. I mean, anything's possible. So I think it's a bit too early to tell, but I definitely, like you say, I, I, I echo your sentiments. I do love Gattuso. He's a class footballer. He's already won something as well with the Coppa Italia. So I'm already I'm already happy for the guy <laughs> since he went through something tough last year with his family. And I think it was his sister which passed away due to COVID. So, you know, um, he, did, he did okay at Milan as well. Um, it's, it's quite strange how things have worked out for both teams with his departure. Yeah, definitely. It's a win-win situation. That's true, actually. Yeah. Well, sometimes it just kind of uh, works out that way. So, I mean, Serie A will definitely revisit it the more, you know, maybe we'll come back to it in another 10-game week's time to see how things are shaping up towards the nearer the end of the season and see if what we've talked about sort of uh, comes to fruition. Um, the next segment, lads, is going to be a little bit more of a different one. So, you know, we've been having some discussions this week in the lead-up to the podcast and we were thinking about 
you know, creating your best five-a-side team. But we'll put some parameters on it and we'll make it the best five-a-side team that you can make of African and Asian players. So has everyone got their five-a-side team ready for this one? Yep. Ali, I'd like yep. to nominate you to go first. Let, let's hear you. Let's hear your choices. Well, I'm not going to pick Aubameyang, Salah, Mane or Mahrez. So none of them are my team. So I'm going to try and go for something different. So with goalie, I'm going Onana because I can really find a quality goalkeeper at that level and who's as known. For defence, I went for Koulibaly because who else can you go for? You know, he's a, he, he is a wall of Africa if that was possible. <laughs> um, in midfield, Idrissa Gay. Yeah, you could put Ndidi or Naby Keita in there, but Idrissa Gay, his his tackling output's unbelievable. So if I wanted someone just to take someone's legs, that would be him. And I went a bit different up front. I went Minamino because I wanted to bring a bit of an Asian vibe there. Yeah. And obviously he hasn't played well at Liverpool due to obviously the chances he's not been getting. And he's been doing okay at Salzburg when he was there. So I'd like Minamino being there. And I went for Asmuna Zenik, St. Petersburg. Um, he was known as the Iranian Messi. He played for Rostov. He's played around Russia for a bit. And his goal scoring output is actually really good. It was like 37 goals in 55 appearances. Sorry, was that uh, Soda so, Asmuna? Is that who you meant? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah he's, he's quality. I think um, he, he also played for, uh, if I'm not mistaken, FC Rostov. Uh, yeah, I... When they beat Bayern Munich in the Champions League, it was quite an iconic game. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a decent little player, but I feel like when I look at him, I don't see the five-a-side. Because when you think about dynamics five-a-side, you need athleticism and, and speed. Yeah, I, sure. I wanted to go for something different, though. You know, I could have I could put Salah and El Mane or Bamiang or, you know, all the other quality African or Asian players there. I could have even put, you know, bring Nakamura back when he was at Celtic in a five-a-side. You know, he'd be all right, too. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's my five-a-side. Oh, those are interesting choices. Um, Dad, have you got yours lined up? Yeah, I well, I'm going from the striker downwards. Um, I couldn't think of, uh, 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 you know, I couldn't think of the goalkeeper that I wanted. But uh, Son Heung Min was, uh, you know, see another the, quality player, the, the most obvious person. Yeah, yeah. And then I was thinking of actually putting a very, you know, dirty, resolute defender, uh, Mehdi Benatia. Oh, that's interesting. Um, and then I was just going for the all yeah. attack with with Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane. So is it, you can't think of a keeper. Mendy, Chelsea. Oh, sorry, the keeper was Onana as well. Oh, Mendy. Uh, I was thinking Mendy, but I didn't know if he was French. I didn't get to check out if he was actually French. But he, I think he's originally from France, isn't he? But yeah, uh, nonetheless, both of them would be fine. Uh, one can be a sub if if he wants. He was born in France, but he represents Senegal. Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure who he's yeah. declared for. Yeah. It's he's Senegalese. Like yeah. I mean, he he can he can be a sub looking right. into the cage caged pitch. Right, it's an interesting choice. Uh, and, like uh, cheering our like, team on. Yeah, it's, it's it's difficult not to go for the obvious world class talents because there, there's some ridiculously talented uh, players in the African and Asian region at the moment. I think uh, I like Ali's choice of trying to go a bit, a bit more alternate. I think I've got a couple of alternate choices myself, but I, I do want to hear um, Kodema's selection before I wrap up with mine. <laughs> Yeah, so I will uh, preface this by saying I picked zero Asian players. So, uh, <laughs> actually, that's not true. Wait, what am I talking about? I've got uh Min Son in there. Oh, never mind, never mind. <laughs> um, so, I'll start from the back. I've got Edward Mendy in net. Like uh, like Ali said, there's quite a dearth of top uh, African-Asian uh, talents in, in goal. 
so stuck him in net. You know, big lad, probably fill up a five-a-side goal quite easily. Um, and then in, in defence, Koulibaly as well. I mean, you know, how can you not put him in? A guy is one of the best centre-backs in the world, let alone the continent of Africa. And then I've put in uh, Ashraf Hakimi. I, fig- I feel like he would be one of the best players to have in, um, in a five-a-side. Yeah, just That's relentless energy. I He's got enough to on him. He's yeah, class. exactly. You know, like you know, when it's man to man, that guy will track back and then just start an attack all, all game long. And then uh, on the wing, I've got uh, Mares. Um, well, not wing, but on the side, I got Mares. Another perfect player for either side. Close control, dribble past anyone really on his day. Whip it in, left foot. I think that's four players. And then for a striker, I've gone for none other than Demba Bar. You know, when you need. A cool head to just slot in the bottom corner. He's your guy, and uh, uh, that's that's my. Uh, I didn't want to go for like I like Ali with Salah and, and Mane because yeah. they're obviously probably. Be that, I think Dad went for them though. African football. Yeah, I didn't. That's what I'm saying. Can I didn't I, like can like I you. Put a I didn't want to go for them well. just so funny. A, st- a street footballer, <laughs> if for a five-a-side cool. street football. I, honestly, you know the first person that came into my head, uh, uh, Adele trapped uh, and. I was he, just about oh, to say, yeah, really? but those no were the words. And, when he said, when he said street football, uh, you know, you know what I mean. I haven't selected him, but when you said street football, he, he's he's doing he's doing pretty yeah. all right. I think he's playing in France at the moment, isn't he? So, and apparently, no, sorry, he's not playing in France. I thought he was at Leganes. No, no, last week was actually in Benfica. I don't uh, know if he is still there. Yeah, that's what I thought was in. Yeah, Portugal. sorry, no, he is, he is, and and he's doing. We can quickly. No, no, he is. He's in Benfica. He's he's actually playing this season a lot more. Than he did because he, he, I think he came there um, a year ago and he couldn't get any game time whatsoever. But when he was in his prime, the way he could dribble a ball and the skill he had in terms of shooting, he was just so deft. He was, yeah. he was, he was like a, a, he was the Moroccan Neymar. That's what I used to call him, in my head, anyways. <laughs> to be honest, I think the um, the reason I remember he went to Benfica is because the story also wasn't just that he revived his career, but he revived it as a centre defensive midfielder. Which was uh, it's quite interesting, isn't it? When you think about a maverick like him, uh, you know, as he said, with the deft touch and the close control and the skills, to reinvent himself in a European league as a defensive midfielder and, uh, you know, put his career back on track is quite interesting. But the um, the Tarap chat was very good. I know that you didn't select him for your official team, but I'm glad you mentioned him. And I think, um, although this isn't the debate we're having, do you guys think that the Adel Tarap season at QPR is probably the most legendary championship season of all time? I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. All right, lads, that was uh, an interested uh, free-form segment because we ran a little bit short on the planned ones, but it was a quite an enjoyable discussion. Um, you know, thanks, everyone, for listening. And uh, as always, Dowd, I'd like you to wrap us up, please. Yeah, so this is our second episode uh, trying to be COVID secure and we're all recording remotely. But as usual, you can uh, follow us on Facebook, uh, The Dressing Room, to find out when we upload our episodes, as, uh, you know, first ones to find out. Uh, we've also got the uh, YouTube channel, The Dressing Room. We're also on all major hosting sites for podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. And follow us on our socials with Instagram, the TD Room 9, and TD Room 9 for Twitter as well. So thank you, everybody. Bye. Take care now. Take care, lads. Cheers.